Okay, welcome back or welcome to Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure alongside Michael Molinari. We have a lot to talk to you, of course. We are here courtesy of our friends at Bet Rivers Sportsbook talking all things Pac-12 football. Uh, before we get to the football, our producer Hayden, you're engaged. The play of the week, Lauren, congratulations. It's unbelievable. I don't know how old you are, but you are engaged. We cannot wait. Aiden, I'm just glad it wasn't a bad beat. That's what I was fearing. <laughs> <laughs> so well done, Bree. You, you covered the spread. <laughs> yes, 26, did, yes. Yogi. 26. <laughs> 26. You are easily the most mature 26-year-old probably among this group uh, when we rewind back to that era in our lives. Uh, all right, we're going to rewind a little bit, and then we're going to fast forward. Oh, my God. What a weekend in college football. Bama goes down down oh my gosh it happens um all across college football there were upsets again penn state loses their quarterback the quarterback discussion we're going to dive into it one more time we appreciate the feedback from last week we really took a deep dive into quarterback play and of course pac-12 the races are heating up so with that said ted let, let's start with the cfp what do you think oregon off a of bye asu they look the part well, I'm going to say this. To me, the biggest part of this past week for the Pac-12 was Arizona State Friday night. Okay, so they had a stage all to themselves, Arizona State and Stanford Friday night. And for the first time, I thought, Yog, we went to watch Arizona State practice in late August, a week or so before their first game. And we kept saying, eyeball test? Wow. They looked yeah. the part. That was the first game where I saw them on the field look that way. I mean, that to me, and I think other people have chimed in on this because they saw the game around the country, have chimed in, that's the best team in the Pac-12 right now. They sure as heck played that way. And so now you have a one-loss Arizona State team, one-loss overall, no loss in the conference, one-loss Oregon team. They don't play in the regular season. So I think it's pretty clear that the best chance the Pac-12 is going to have for the CFP is to have those two teams run the table. Both finish with a loss, play championship game winner, and at least is going to have a legitimate claim to be in the CFP. Now, the team that's lurking as the spoiler in all this is Utah because they haven't lost a conference game either, but they have two losses. So they're not going to be in the CFP. Um, uh, so that's where I think what, what I saw this past weekend, that to me was Arizona State looking like a team that finally lived up to that billing of being, hey, this is a legit team. And if they sustain that kind of play, uh, they've got a shot to finish, you know, and of course this is going to be Saturday night. It's going to be a huge test with Utah, but they have a chance to be a CFP team. Seems to be the same thing we say every year about this time. If, if a and B can run the table and get to the championship game without a loss, they got a chance <laughs> and it just, uh, it never seems to work out that way. Does it, but maybe, maybe this will be the year it does, but I agree with Ted that Utah is a, is a dangerous spoiler in the, in that, uh, in that plan. Okay. So let's talk, um, ASU for a minute. Cause I think they deserve a lot of love here. Uh, and we called the Utah ASU game two years ago on the road, Jane Daniels freshman year. And it was the most physical game he's ever been a part of. We'll get to, we'll get to that in a minute, but I think, uh, the last eight quarters of play for Arizona state are the best eight collective quarters in this league that I've seen watching back. So you go to the UCLA game, what Zach Hill has done as the OC, and you got to give credit to Antonio Pierce. I know there's a lot of noise outside of the football field around him, 
But man, what they are doing in between the lines, adjustments at halftime, game plan, playing what they call cat coverage, which is I got that cat, you got that cat, as Herm Edwards described in his post-game presser, man to man. That's that's what they do. I love the attitude of this team. In the beginning of the season, we called their first game, Southern Utah. Some of you probably didn't watch that. But they had 11 penalties in the first half, and they continued to have penalties over the course of the next couple of games. It was, I think, four or five minutes in the third quarter before they had their first penalty of the night. At home, against Stanford, a lot of emotion in the game, a lot of man-to-man coverage. I just saw a disciplined team, guys. I really did. Ted, I agree. You you saw Tommy Hill playing the slot. Even when he was getting beat, he was playing aggressive against Elijah Higgins. That's the freshman corner we referenced. I was. Uh, I, I want to thank the Safari Research Room for allowing me a space Friday night to watch the game and had some some fans around watching with me. I was deep in my research, but what what I Watt kept saying was, "Look where Arizona State's DBs are playing. Press cover." They were not letting Stanford's receivers get those free releases that the previous week we had seen those Stanford receivers get against Oregon. And now ASU has the people to pull it off with, right? Yoga, I mean, we saw that, and they did. So to your point about the ASU defense, last six quarters of the eight you referenced, the last six quarters, they've allowed one touchdown. That's yeah. that's big time. So that right now, they have every reason to stand up in Tempe and claim we're the best team in the pack. Okay, so Michael, um, we saw this in person. I, th- I think we, we, I don't know if we were, if we were at the bar- Birch and Barley when we were watching this play or not, but Jack Jones's interception when he flips it to DeAndre Pierce for the touchdown. I, I'm racking my brain. I can't think of a better defensive play, yeah. heads up play in a long time. Well, what it reminds me of first is the coach saying, no, 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 yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's the classic <laughs> right there. So oh. it worked out great. I'm not sure that uh, that's exactly what the coaches would want you to do in that situation, but it did work out great. It was a heads-up play. It was a dangerous heads-up play. How about that? Did you see the Monday night game? Indianapolis Colts did the same thing. Darius Leonard, Darius Leonard, no. Unfortunately, they had to blow back because the NFL officials were on. It ended up being forward. The momentum of the play ended up, it ended up being a forward lateral. But the point was, it was the same exact thing. Darius Leonard was going down. And he had a guy behind him and the guy took it to the house. Uh, well, so I, actually good. It was really, really heads up. When I saw that play, I went back to the hotel and I had to meditate because I had major flashbacks to Reggie Bush and the Rose Bowl, my first year ever coaching, <laughs> trying to flip it to our receiver. And it clearly didn't happen, and we turned the ball over and ended up losing the game. But why do Jack Yogi Jones... and I have why do Yogi and I have different Reggie Bush flashbacks? You ever <laughs> notice that, Michael? <laughs> yeah, have different exact. I have a flashback too, just not the same one. <laughs> totally. Um, but uh, Jack Jones, uh, you know, my, my player of the week. We'll talk about it on our game graduate level player of the week in terms of going back and watching not just the picks he had two in the game, but just how he played. Right. The the. The patience with the discipline. And look, PIs have been a big topic of dialogue in this league, rightfully so, or lack of PIs, like the inconsistency that we've seen at big moments. And Jack Jones, to me, is playing as consistent as possible. Chase Lucas, Lucas, excuse me, has been in and out for them the last couple of games. This guy's elevated. And this guy's been through a lot, right? Like played in the Rose Bowl for SC against Penn State, uh, gets in trouble with the law, has to go to a community college, Gets to ASU. I think last year he suspended from the team for a period of time. And he gets coached hard. And I, I just 
I really like his journey. He became a father in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I look forward. I hope we get them in a couple weeks. I, I want to see them in person again. Uh, and, and I can't wait to see him in Salt Lake. So let's spin it forward to that game. I want to ask both of you. First thought that comes to mind, ASU, Utah, from when we called that game two years ago. Two top 20 teams. Ooh. The pouring rain is what comes to mind to me. You could barely see the field. That's, and it, it seemed like, you know, Utah dominated the game, but the memory is the pouring absolute monsoon that came down during that game. Yeah. You guys have much better memories than I. Um, the only thing I, I actually do recall Yogi touched on it was Jaden Daniels. Because, you know, again, we had a lot of buildup freshman year. and Utah was Utah. They were tough. They were physical. And that's the thing I've noticed about Utah uh, watching. I only watched the first half of their USC game, but that looked closer to the Utah teams of the past, um, especially defensively, you know, players playing, hitting big secondary guys. I didn't realize that I'm looking forward. We'll see them in person and for the first time in two weeks time, uh, this Vaughn kid, this guy that was trying to cover Drake London is big. I mean, that's the model for today's cornerback, right? is uh, that type of size. And so it it looked more like a Utah team to me than what I had noticed the first few weeks. Okay. This is what I think of Jaden Daniels was four of 18 and the first three plays of the game, all blitz, all pressure, all in his face. And he didn't flinch at 170 pounds, soaking wet, literally. uh, He didn't flinch all game, all the way up until the end of the game. He's still trying to throw the ball and he's getting crushed. And this is Bradley Anai. This is Julian Blackman. This is a really talented team, a team we thought would go to the CFP that year if they could have beat Oregon yeah. in the Pac-12 title game. Uh, so I, I spin it forward to media days. I don't know if you remember this clip, but Ashley asked all the quarterbacks, we had three quarterbacks on set, uh, hey, what's the toughest place to play? I guarantee this clip will find its way back to the top of the internet this week because Jane Daniels says, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> the Muss is going to know about that again. And ASU circled this game. And Herm Edwards talked to us about this game and said, hey, we got to go there and play physical and be the more physical team because we weren't. It was Darius Henderson as a freshman, uh, uh, Donovan West as a freshman on the O-line against Leckie Fotu, and we remember those dudes. I, I just really want to see ASU meet the moment against a Utah team, and God bless them, yesterday, today's Tuesday, they all flew to, to Texas to go to the services of Aaron Lowe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And how about this, uh, uh, to fast, Michael, to fast forward two years, two years ago, Jaden Daniels, as Yogi talked about, first time going through this, first getting beat. Now, two years later, he's going to go in there and he's head and shoulders the best quarterback in the conference. I mean, the way he's played, would you both, would you both agree with that? Oh, yeah. Ted, I want to spin it forward even further. Okay, you're a Heisman voter. I'm a Heisman voter. Okay, well, last week we talked a lot about quarterbacks, right? A lot of quarterback play. Well, what happened this week in quarterback play? Rattler, benched. Yeah. yeah. Clifford, injured, right? Desmond Ritter did his thing against Temple on Friday night. Like, there's some players. Sam Howell, they lost to Florida State. Mike Norvell's got two in a row. Yeah. Like, if, Rattler- if they start going. Yeah. Rattler got benched. Because and I, I I don't follow nearly as carefully. We can't. We're absorbed with the pack. But everything I've heard said is the the guy that came in to replace him is better. Yeah, <laughs> he's was, a gifted. He was a little MVP. That, that Rattler's not coming back. That's what I'm hearing. Right. <laughs> this was an inevitable thing. And and the guy I'm blank is it Williams. Is that his name? 
I'm blanking on the young guy. Caleb Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Williams. Uh, That's what I'm hearing. People who follow more carefully saying this kid's better than Rattler. So anyway, um, uh, the, the part of the, part of the, what you just talked to me or talked to us about yoga is where I go crazy is that the pre it's preseason polls, preseason Heisman's who the heck knows, let them play. And now that we're halfway through the season, basically, now you can start to formulate a little bit of a scorecard. At least I can, in my own mind. Drake London's on my scorecard, okay? I mean, what he's done is exceptional. They can't give him offensive player of the week every week. I voted for him this week, 16 catches. I don't know how you don't, but I get it. You want to spread the, spread the wealth a little bit. And, Second place player, offensive player of the week is what it should be. At this well, yeah, I, I get it. So, but, but what I'm saying is he's on the scorecard. I think another guy that's on the scorecard has to be Desmond Ritter, the Cincinnati quarterback, who I watched, you know, carefully for the first time in their win at Notre Dame. He's legit. That guy can play and he's got a chance to play next year somewhere. Not say it's going to happen, but he's at least going to get a look. Um, So there's other people. But what I really noticed, uh, given our conversation last week about where the pack is, and we've had fabulous quarterbacks in this league in the last decade from Luck through Goff through Darnold through Herbert, even guys like Jacob Eason, uh, Davis Mills that were here for a year, basically a year playing, and they've gone to the league. They have the skill set. And we were wondering who today has that skill set in the conference. And it's it's a tough conversation. So I looked, somebody had their own Heisman scorecard Sunday. I saw this online and it just struck me. So this is just one person's rank and I'm not, at, I'm not endorsing the ranking other than just to ask you guys a question. Number one, he's got Bryce Young, Alabama quarterback. Number two is Matt Corral, Old Miss quarterback. Number three, C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterback. Those are his top three. Other than quarterbacks, what do those three kids have in common? Cali. Cali. Yeah. That's the first thing. I saw that went, my God, three Southern California kids playing at Texas, Old Miss, and or excuse me, playing at Alabama, Old Miss, and Ohio State. What's wrong with that picture? So let me respond on that because mm-hmm. I, I see that narrative a ton. Mm-hmm. And because I see these guys at the Elite 11, there's context yeah. I think that's fair. Okay, let's go Bryce Young. Committed SC for a really long time. Keaton Slovis starts. You kind of see some writing on the wall. JT Daniels leaves. He went to modern day just like JT. And in my eyes, I think he, he has a chance to still end up at SC if Slovis isn't the starter. So I think there's context to be had there. Mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud. Uh, C.J. Stroud's first offer, I want to say, was Oregon State. Cal was all over him. He loved Cal. Uh, he came to the Elite 11. That was his biggest offer. He won the MVP. And I was sitting next to him as his phone is blowing up with Ryan Day. Or, <laughs> I mean, you name the yeah. school, yeah. right? He, he explodes in that regard. Um, and then finally, who? Um, uh, uh, who's the third one you referenced? Uh, Corral, Ole Miss. Yeah, Matt Corral. Matt Corral's committed SC forever. Mm-hmm. And he had some personal issues that went on in high school. And I remember Clay called me. I was in Spain on a vacation. He goes, hey, let's talk about Matt for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to him. And I think for Matt, the best thing for him was to get out of Southern California. Okay. Right? SC, I think, kind of dropped him. Um, based on some things that went yeah. on between those two. So I think I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I wish they still ended up at a school in the league. Yeah. But I think it's fair to have a little bit of context around. Same thing with Absolutely. DJ. Absolutely. Thank, you know? th- thank you for that. And Yogi, that's great. And, and far be it from any of us to tell an 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid what they should do with their lives. That's not my point either. The context is great. 
and and I'm just from the standpoint of, of, and in the back of my mind is a quote I read from Kiffin about two or three weeks ago. He was talking about Corral and he said, the blunt truth is that, you know, the other parts of the country, particularly the SEC, were behind in offense for a long time. He said, the SEC is now ahead of the curve, ahead of everybody else, including the pack in offense. And that's the one that jars me because the identity of this conference, and I and, and it, I know people are going to say, what are you talking about? Because you're the guy that wants people to run the ball. <laughs> and I, and I, I do, but I'm saying the identity of the Pac-12 is quarterbacks and receivers. And that's why I raised that question last week and it follows up this week. And I get it. But at some point, it, all three kids can't play at USC at the same time. We get that. But there's other schools out here that have very good coaches and very good programs. And at some point, those caliber of quarterbacks – some of them need to stay in the pack. Yeah. Okay. We're going to get to that in a second. Uh, before we do, though, I want to tell you a little bit about our partners at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now is the time. They're offering a $250 match bonus for your very first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. They have a new rush pay instant approval, which means withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and much more reliable than ever before. So we're at the midseason point. You can still get in on the action. Go to BetRivers.com right now or download the BetRivers iOS app. Of course, you need to be 21 years or older. And if you have a gambling problem, no problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER to help yourself out in that regard. All right, so Ted, uh, let's talk Oregon and Cal because we referenced some quarterback play. Chase Garbers has been a four-year starter. They come off a bye. The Ducks come off a bye. These are two teams we haven't seen in person, uh, have watched, of course, a lot of them. We've referenced Oregon in their run to the CFP. Cal in one and four. I'm looking at the standings now. It just doesn't feel right to me. It just doesn't feel no. right. No, no, it doesn't. It, doesn't. it shouldn't be right. Cal, I mean, we, we've, we've talked about this before. There are a couple of games that I think, and I, I would think Justin Wilcox, deep down inside, would agree. They should have won, not could have but should have, and they haven't won those close games so far this year. Uh, they need to beat somebody because the only wins over Sac State. This one's got a little extra juice to it because Tim DeRuiter, who was somewhat demoted at Cal, now is you know left and is the D.C. at Oregon, and they're stung a little bit because they let one go at Stanford that they should have won. Um, so that, to me, is the, the fascinating part. The good part about this is a Friday night game and both teams are coming off a bye, and I think that's yeah. that's – that's been an advance by the pack and scheduling. If you're going to play these short week games, let's make sure the best we can that these teams are coming off a bye. For me, uh, I think all the off the field stuff that you reference is interesting. Uh, Bill Musgrave played quarterback there. That's interesting. right. Yeah. yeah. Right. J Dub started at cornerback there. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Cal won the game last year. Most interesting. Right. And you talk to the Oregon staff, like they know uh, how talented the Cal Bears can be. I look at Cameron Good, probably the most underrated player this year in the league due to their yeah. record. He's a first-team all-league player. We'll, we'll get Cal at some point in this season, and Cam Good might be the open, the way that he's playing that's, yeah. defensively. That's good. That's a good call. And and yeah, that's the problem when you when you don't win, you're not <laughs> you're not being seen around the country, and that's exactly where Cal has been this year. Uh, and and. And the other mystery to me is, you know, is, well, sure, it's a mystery because I haven't seen them live yet, is, you know, that we said Jaden Daniels is head and shoulders right now, the best quarterback in the conference. I would have said five weeks ago, I would have expected I could say that about Chase Garbers. Mm. Yeah, 
it'll be interesting. He's played well in big games. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, speaking of big games, let's spin it forward, Michael. UCLA, UW. This game's got some intrigue, man. I mean, I don't. Nothing's a must-win. Like I think that's the most overrated phrase in all of sports, specifically college football. But UW at two and three, UCLA at four and two. The loser, man. This is gonna impact your season, man. If if UCLA loses, it almost negates all of the positive momentum they had from the LSU win. That's, I mean, I, so I don't know if it's a must-win, but I think all the luster that was gained from the win and that win against LSU is not looking as good as it did when it happened. But I think UCLA has got to win that game to maintain the momentum they got from earlier in the season. So I don't know if it's a must win, but I think it's a very important game for them. And obviously for UW, they can, you know, try, they're trying to get something out of this season and a win over UCLA would really help them too. So I think for both teams, it's huge. Okay. So, just chew on this one for the listeners here. UCLA, if they win, here come the Ducks to the Rose Bowl next week. If UW wins, they go to Arizona on a Friday, then they go to Stanford, two games they could win, and then they got the Ducks. Like the whole Oregon thing in this, and I love this, like when you have one, maybe two teams at the top, those games can elevate teams versus everybody had two losses right now for instance like we've seen in years past so I, I i think the winner of this game and then if they can keep it going with the oregon game whether it's next week or in three weeks that is what i'm circling because it can flip you in recruiting especially for washington and, and for ucla to your point michael they get a win here can beat oregon then they go to utah before a bye like they'll be the sexiest team in this league but that'll ruin the plan we talked about at the beginning. Well, Oregon and ASU, they got to go undefeated to get to the championship game. <laughs> no, we're not rooting for anyone. We're just saying that's that's what has to happen, of course. So who do you like in the game, Ted? Who, who do you like in UCLA, UW? I like UCLA. Yeah, I like UCLA. I just, I, they're just, they're, they're, and the question to me is going to be how long can they continue to play this way and win, which is, you know, as they won last week against an Arizona team that we, we understand they're, they're in a rebuild, but they were, they won without throwing the ball. They've got two really good running backs. The offensive line played nicely and they can, they can beat you, throw the ball to throw the ball to the tight end a few times and throw the ball to Phillips a couple of times and bang. Now, how long can you run that and, and win with it? And can you, if they get through this week, can they beat Oregon that way? Um, and of course it's, it's happened a few times now, so it isn't, uh, it isn't the lead story any longer, but it will still be Oregon going to the Rose Bowl a week from Saturday, likely with hopes of playing in the championship game to play chip. <laughs> 1230, right? Day game. Yeah. As well. Um, a couple like things that. for the listeners. On, yeah, totally. Uh, ZTF reportedly back at practice, mm-hmm. right? We're talking about the All-American edge rusher. Does he go in this game? Keep an eye on that storyline. Coming off another Achilles injury that we've seen in this conference, Nate Lamb, and we'll see him on Saturday. Incredible recovery in that regard. And and when I look at UCLA, if I'm UW, I'm playing, as we said earlier, cat coverage, right? I'm saying Trent McDuffie, Kyler Gordon, cover these dudes, mm-hmm. right? Do not let UCLA run the ball. And I think UW has a chance because uh, their run defense – this season has not been what we expected, especially in the Michigan game. You could look at that. Uh, but this is a really disciplined defense historically for the most part. So coming off a of bye week, 
I don't imagine them missing many run fits. So they have to win some matchups. Can the defensive front win a couple matchups against UCLA's experienced O-line? And then on the flip side, Dylan Morris. Dylan Morris, get going. Mm-hmm. Everybody's been able to throw the ball against the Bruins. It's just kind of well, everybody. LSU struggled. But as of late, teams have been able to move the ball through the air a little bit. I mean, you you go back and watch the Arizona game. We're going to get to that game in a minute because we have them this weekend. They're moving the ball. They just don't, don't score touchdowns, right? Self-inflicted wounds, lose their quarterback. I mean, they move the ball well, I thought, against the Bruins. So I, I think it's going to be a great game. It'll remind me a lot of the Cal-UW game a couple weeks ago that went to overtime. I, I think this was going to be tight at the end. I give the edge to Dorian on the road in the O-line. But it's, I think it's going to be a great one. Can, can we nerd out for just a minute since, Yogi, you're going to be my expert to do this? So UCLA-Arizona game, the Oregon-Stanford game, and it's happened some other games, but those two stand out. The late shifting by the defensive line just prior to snap stemming is the football term, but it, you, you, you can watch it. You'll see it. The defensive linemen shift laterally. Sometimes it's a half a second before the snap and it's creating an inordinate number of false starts. What's the remedy? To me, the remedy is uh, quick count and tempo. That's the instant remedy. Tempo is like absolute. If- Jed fish talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. If you're worried about, it, if you're like, I don't know if we can handle it. It's that if you can handle it, it's changing up your snap count. It's longer snap counts, holding it, you know, things like that. You know, get I, if it was if I was the OC, I would just get to the line of scrimmage really fast. Mm-hmm. I would get there really fast, make a move, and have 15, 20 seconds left to adjust if I need to. Because the rule states you can move as long as it's in unison. Mm-hmm. Now the the tricky part is that we don't have microphones up there. Right. It's right. the dialogue that be that may or may not be occurring. Right. Like I know coaches in this league that watch TV copies of games to see if they can hear snap counts. Oh, yeah. Right. So that, that I mean, the coach yeah, in the I'm NFL and you're in your town that does that. Yogi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not breaking any news here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you're right. That's going to be something fun to watch because um, we saw it a ton in our game. All right. So yeah. let's let's get to our game. There's two games left. Um, Stanford and Washington State on ESPNU. If you have that in your cable provider, find it um, where, you, where you can. That's a 4.30 kickoff in Pullman. You, Washington State coming off their best win of the season. Can we give some just really, I, I got to give Jaden Delora some props because uh, yeah. we were there past Saturday. His first half wasn't great and made a couple decisions that were not great. Second half, he was terrific. Give him all the credit in the world because the, the guys obviously, he's undersized. He doesn't have a great motion, but man, he competes hard. And that was what we saw Saturday. And it got him, it got him a heck of a win. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was really impressed with Washington State how all the things going on off the field, they've stayed connected. And and props to that locker room, Michael. Like, big props to that locker room. And, and they're going against another team that's got a great locker room in Stanford. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this one. I, I don't I know who's going to win. I hope that game can be as exciting as ours. I look back, four touchdowns in just over four minutes of real time, end of third quarter, beginning of fourth yeah. quarter. Yeah. That, was a, that was a pretty exciting <laughs> four-minute stretch of game, huh? Well, for those of you who haven't are not familiar with Michael's prestigious background, what excites him is when we get to the arena football comparison. And that's what it felt like. It felt like, and I said it on the air, it felt like the last team with possessing the ball was going to win. And that gets Michael's juices flowing. We can yep. hear it in our ears, Yogi, can't you? Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You had a, you had a uh, uh, arena league reference in the broadcast. It was great. Yep. Yep. Arena. Okay. All right. So let's get to our Same game. Same address. Uh, same address. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> Uh, 
Colorado off a of bye hosting Arizona. And and I, I don't I am I am dead serious when I say this about Jed Fish, as all of us on this call I think are huge Ted Lasso fans. When you watch him post game, and they, he's been called this a little bit, Jed Lasso. And and I, I love his optimism. He finds all the silver linings. And when you go back and you watch it, they have a lot of them this year. They've really improved. They haven't won, but man, they have improved. And they had Jordan McLeod, who I got to be honest, he was he looked pretty good, Ted. Yeah. He looked pretty good. That was the first time I, I watched the tape of this game. It's the first time I'd really paid attention to him, and he did. And it was unfortunate. You know, it was clear he got hurt, and he tried to play – continue to play. And then he gets just got crushed in that awkward pileup. So it's sad. And I, I, you know, I haven't seen enough of Gunnar Cruz to make a judgment yet, but that's the fascinating part of this game. Look, it, you know, it's not a marquee game. We understand that somebody's going to feel better at the end of the day, which is nice. Arizona really needs to feel better because they haven't won since the, we were there two years ago on that field. Um, but Arizona is going to play a different quarterback. What we don't know is Colorado going to change. And that's something we talked about Two weeks ago, they're coming off their bye week. Do they give Drew Carter a shot or do they stick with Brendan Lewis? They, Colorado, leaving Folsom Field two weeks ago, the only thing I knew is they need to find some way to move the football. That's just a, it's a, it's a soul crushing way to play when your defense leaves the field thinking, okay, we're going to be back out there in four snaps. They have to find a way to be able to, to get some first downs. Yeah, I, uh. I've been watching all their games back and I'm like, all right, what is, what is the matchup in this game going to be? Right. And I think for Arizona, if I'm them, I'm going to run the ball as much as humanly possible because you don't know about Gunner right now. We do know he won the job. We'll talk about in the open. He won the job and it was because he was the better quarterback. So they've got to build his confidence up. And to me, I don't know if that's, we hear coaches say all the time, Hey, get our quarterback going early. I think it's run the ball early. Right. And and get them settled in. Let them settle in. Uh, I like that they kept playing real football throughout the whole UCLA game. I know they got criticized a little bit on the broadcast for it, but they needed to get Gunnar Cruz live reps. He needed to get the rust off. You could see that on the drives that were happening. So I, I, I that's what I would do. And on the flip side for Colorado, it, they match up well in the secondary. I mean, Drake London went off, but he's done it to everybody. They got good athletes back then. Then the other side is just, can they run the ball? Can they handle the movement of Don Brown? We'll find out. Michael, what, what do you, like, you, you're, you're producing this game, obviously, like, as you're prepping for this one, man, what are some of the things that you're like, yeah, this is what I'm most curious about here? Well, I think you look for some kind of, you know, you're looking for something to have people be interested in watching. And I think one is the last win for Arizona was at Colorado the last time they won a game. I mean, they have the longest losing streak in uh, at least power five college football. So they won a game at Colorado. So that that's going to be segment two, by the way, guys, uh, if you write it down. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I think it's what's the connection and it, it, it's not, it's not the easiest. It's not the easiest one to sell. I hope for a good competitive game, honestly, because I think that's, that's the reason people watch any game. So that's what I'm hoping for a little bit. Well, this, yeah. And, and the, the opposite hook is that, again, look, you can't make something that it isn't. Somebody at the end of the day, three and a half hours after they kick the ball off, somebody's going to feel a lot better about life than they did. And that's the positive, right? And for, and, and for Arizona, my goodness, 
to be for, for Jed Fish and have to get their first win would be massive. We remember what it was like when uh, Mike McIntyre did that at Colorado, when Gary Anderson did that at Oregon State. You remember those moments, right? What it means for a program that's been dry for a while to get that first win. Yeah, I remember the yeah. Mike McIntyre one. He had the coin yeah. from his dad, right? Bobby Dad, Coach mm -hmm. of the Year coin. And then Arizona has a short week. Um, so it, it'll be fun. They get UW coming in on a Friday night. All right, uh, before we get into the humanity moment of the week in a, in a second here, I want to make sure I let you know about the Field of 12 Media. It's a brand new podcast and digital media company covering college football by people who really know it extremely well. It's brought to you by Shoot Your Shot Productions, the folks behind the Field of 68. So the Field of 12, it gives you insight into the game we love by so many people that have lived it in so many different ways. We have Trevor Knight and Bryce Petty. I can't wait to listen to this podcast and they break down the Texas OU game covering the Big 12. I only got a couple years left of that game in the Big 12. Uh, Joshua Perry, Christian Hackerberg cover the Big 10. Penn State and Iowa, Sean Clifford goes down, a heartbreaker in that regard because it felt like they had, kind of had control of that ball game uh, and then he gets injured. Max Starks, Clint Sterner, they own the SEC. Does Bama still own the SEC? I don't know. The defense is a little suspect there. Zach Calzada, huge win. And we have Harry Douglas and Cody Sensenbaugh on the ACC. Pitt Panthers, Cody Pickett. Ted, Kenny Pickett. Your short list for the Heisman, but he's on. Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett. I thought you said Cody Pickett there Kenny for a Pickett. second. <laughs> you dub. You and, dub. Uh, of course, Syracuse, Dino Babers. Yeah. Tough one over the weekend, Michael. Tough one. Uh, uh, <laughs> By the way, can someone explain how there's four Big Ten teams ranked in the top eight? That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, there's a lot I can't, I can't answer, especially where Ohio State is compared to Oregon. Uh, but regarding that, we're here every week to talk about all those things in the Pac-12. So check out all the links below. We got YouTube. We're on Twitter, all the social media that you can imagine. The field 12 where college football happens. Michael, uh, I know there's a lot of options this week for the humanity moment of the week. Where are you taking us? Well, in a world that seems to change at an exponential rate, the title of uh, Thomas Wolfe's novel, published in 1940, has never been more fitting. You can't go home again. I grew up in Oneonta, a small town in upstate New York, population 15,000 people. What's Oneonta's connection to sports? John Elway once played there for the Yankees single-A team. Mark May, two-time Super Bowl winner and Outland Trophy winner. Where did he win that, Yogi? At Pitt. Pitt. Mm -hmm. uh, grew up there. And Hartwick College, with an enrollment of 1,500 students, won the 1977 NCAA Soccer Championship, the smallest school to ever win a Division I championship, in any sport. So anyway, there's my background. So two of my favorite stops on the Pac-12 tour, what would they be? Of course, Pullman, Washington and Corvallis, Oregon. Although they're bigger, they got the same feel. And Lake Oneonta, they're not easy to get to. But when you get there, it's comfortable and familiar. Uh, one of the best parts of growing up in a small town, there's a variety of experiences and diversity not found in larger similar size, but without any of the problems of some of the bigger cities. Uh, when in doubt, trust trumped distrust. Everyone seemed to know each other, especially the parents, uh, which was not good at times. It was kind of the uh, origination of it takes a village. Um, last week's trip to Pullman, in some ways, was like getting in a time machine for me. My flight would arrive 
five hours after Hertz closes. No problem. We'll just leave the keys for you at the counter. <laughs> pay If you need to pay for anything, just come down and do it. <laughs> People asked me how I was doing and where I was from and said hello in an elevator. I mean, my goodness. Uh, some may call this naive, but I call it refreshing and nostalgic. Uh, here in LA, the weather doesn't have seasons. It's just one long, endless summer. In Oneonta, there are two seasons, fall and different degrees of winter. Uh, not surprisingly, when I think back of my years growing up there, the fondest memories are the fall. Yesterday, we learned we're heading to Oregon State for a late October game with Utah. Corvallis, home of the Beavers, prides itself on being the best college town in America. I'm a bit biased, but it's in my top two. I'm excited thinking about and can't wait for a stroll through downtown Corvallis where the air will be crisp, the autumnal colors will be in full bloom, and every step will be met with the smell and sounds of fallen leaves crackling under my feet. Thomas Wolfe had it right. You can't go home again because it's not about the place, but a moment in time. But sometimes the situation and feel is right for a fleeting moment, you can nearly get there again. And by the way, John Elway uh, hit 318 that summer in 1982. Maybe he missed his calling. Did Syracuse have a major in poetry? <laughs> Is that what the program you were in, right, Michael? Uh, I was in the. Uh, I was in. The, I was a minor in poetry, exactly. And and That's I also. It. I just learned something else. There's a. There are a couple of elevators in Pullman. I thought the one, I thought the one, because the highest point in Pullman is our press box. The, it's beautiful, by the way, the, the football stadium after the remodel in Pullman's gorgeous. And I think, I think that press box is the highest part, highest point in Pullman. The Otis elevator testing site is also the highest point, Bristol, Connecticut, just there for those uh, who've been there. But it's right. And we got to say, and Yogi, we had a chance, Pat Chun, the athletic director, Bill Stevens, who's been there forever and his team, they could not be more gracious hosts we get it everywhere in the conference we're lucky but that pullman and what michael just said that rings so true because they make sure they make sure of being the most welcoming people possible yeah well said you know it's interesting michael when you were talking about that um of course we're all imagining the small towns that you're referencing but to me i'm also like in college football there's so much drama that gets played out and gets a lot of hype a lot of discourse sometimes we forget like the pageantry of the game at times, right? Think about what's going on in Pullman. Like what a great reminder, the, the game that we had, just the game, you know, the game was amazing. Uh, knowing there's so much more being talked about outside of the game. And uh, that, was, that was cool, man, that was, that was fitting. You didn't know that was coming, did you, Yogi? I didn't know that. I didn't know where you were going to go. I never, you know, I rarely. You know, do I. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something I will never again do is use Molinari and Steve Young in the same sentence. But Steve, who's a, a good acquaintance, has this wonderful ability. When he speaks, he stands up and he starts talking and the plane takes off. And after about 20 seconds, you go, my God, where is he flying to? And somehow Steve Young lands the plane. And that's what Michael just did. You landed the plane. Well done. Amen. Well done. All right. Well, there it is. We're at midseason. You know the deal. Every week we got you packed to a football. Let us know what you think. Hit us up on social media. Uh, we're all there. We're retweeting the daylights out of this show. And, uh, of course, another big crap. Congrats, Hayden, Lauren, and Gage. The play of the weekend, our producer. Big props, man. We'll be back next week. Stay safe.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.